Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast for Black Women Connects Vancouver. Girl, you know it. So I'm the founder of Black Women Connects Vancouver, which started in 2017. And Black Women Connects Vancouver is a collective of women who come to inspire, empower, and leverage our strengths and embrace our diverse experiences. It is a community where we can build meaningful relationships and celebrate the beauty of our Black womanhood. I hope that you enjoy it. Welcome to Hey Girl, You Know It. This is a podcast by Black Women Connect Vancouver. Uh, I'm Palisa. Natasia. And I'm Elle. And we're going to be your hosts on the podcast. Today, we're talking about Black History Month, what Black History Month means to us, what it means in Canada, and then shouting out some special women um, as well. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast. Uh, so I'll start off by asking Al and Natasia, what does Black History Month mean to both of you? I'll go first. <laughs> um, Black History Month, I mean, growing up in Vancouver, it was interesting because you heard like rumbles of it, but because there's not a very big Black community like in Vancouver proper, um, and especially like growing up like in the 90s and like the early 2000s, we weren't talking about it or I just wasn't aware of as many like events or discussions or um, opportunities for information sharing around, you know, Black history in general. But, and, but whenever we did talk about Black history, it was always like the Americanized version or like the little bits um, pieces or the footnotes in like Canadian history right so it's been more and more um, valuable and like really um, touching to like grow into my blackness now and then recognize like oh my gosh there's so much black history and there's so much black history in Canada that we know nothing about like at all which is very frustrating being black and like having to like I'll learn a lot of things and like relearn the real history timeline of certain stuff and like the due, due diligence and due process of people who um, were very instrumental in a lot of a lot of stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think for me, it's interesting because I didn't grow up in Vancouver, nor was I born here. But in terms of like Canadian Black history, I think I didn't realize the amount of impact um, people have had in their history because you always think about like American um, black history but because like the Underground Railroad was to Canada why don't we actually talk about the aftermath of the Underground Railroad there's always movies about slavery and the Underground Railroad but there's never actually like what happened when they got free and they were free in Canada and so I think recognizing that wow like there's just so much rich history that we were unaware about um, in terms of that kind of history but then also in terms like for me being an immigrant um it's the same thing it's like the amount of um impact a lot of immigrants have had in Canada too we don't really talk about that um in terms of black immigrants obviously other races too but it for black history month like a lot of black immigrants made a huge difference when they migrated here so I think that's also something that we don't talk too much about because it's we do look towards America as the like their history is our history when it's completely different, especially if we are the land where the free slaves came from, there had to be like some sort of impact that they made into us, so. 
Um, I, I, one of the women that I'm going to shout out in the podcast actually uh, has something connected to um, the Underground Railroad uh, as well. So uh, learning after reading all of the history that's captured on the, um, on the article that I read, I was like, wow, I actually don't know anything about Canadian history. It really is all about American history and being from South Africa, um, we've learned about like our black heroes, women through history and through time, but it's also not all the information. And I do also learn about American black history. And so kind of seeing how that's the same in Canada and in South Africa, but then also to be in Canada and like not know, I think half of it is going out and doing the work to be like, who are these, you know, folks and what are the kind of institutions that they've opened and organizations that they've started that we can be a part of if you'd like to be um, a part of them as well. So I did a little bit of Googling with my best friend, Google. And uh, I wanted to find out about how and when uh, Black History Month was recognized in Canada. Uh, can you folks guess when you think it was officially recognized in Canada? Oh, uh, I know this, but I don't remember. I'm gonna say the '80s. The '80s. I'm just gonna give like a, a like a decade. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna guess. I'll be really sad if this is correct. The '90s. The '90s. Okay. Um. So actually, the commemoration of Black History Month date, dates back to 1926, oh. when Carter G. Woodson proposed setting aside a time devoted to honoring the accomplishments of African Americans and to heighten the awareness of black history in the United States. So in the US, that's kind of when it set off. And then it was kind of roughly um, starting to become a thing in Canada around then as well. Um, it actually started off as Negro History Week in 1926. Um, and then during the early 1970s, it became known as Black History Week which then expanded to Black History Month in the 1976s, so before the 80s. Um, and then in December 1995, the House of Commons formally then recognized it as Black History Month in Canada in February um, through the work of John, John, John Jean, J-E-A-N, how do you say that name, Jean? Jean. 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 When Jean Augustine, who is uh, who was the first Black Canadian woman elected into Parliament, um, helped it get introduced into the House of Commons, and then in February 2008, Donald Oliver, um, who was the first Black man appointed to the Senate House, also allowed more of a contribution to it becoming uh, the month of February. So, okay. So for some reason, when you asked that question, I was thinking. Canada Black History. That's why I said it so late. I, I definitely knew that Black History Month was a thing I, I throughout the, like the 20th century. But in my head, when you asked it, I was like, oh, in Canada. Like, I actually don't think it was that long ago. Like, no, I think that was in 1995 when the House of Commons yeah. officially recognized it. That would be, for me at least, as I was researching when it would kind of be that time. That wasn't that long ago. I was kind of correct then. I was, mm. <laughs> it was off right. by a few years. 
that's not bad not bad at all uh five years 15 years five years I guess in the 80s depending when you were thinking but semantics um mm-hmm. <laughs> i'll catch that shade in my pocket for next time for next time i was gonna say i'll, I'll bring that next time piece <laughs> bring it on I've been, it's so interesting that like it started in the 1920s in america and like it wasn't until like gosh 70 years later that like canada got on board or like actually instated it into oh it's a, it's a, a thing that we're now really going to recognize like i know people were probably celebrating it and discussing it because they didn't want to be left out of like this pivotal month that like recognized black accomplishments but for a country that prides itself on like this mosaic and like cultural oh my gosh amazingness I'm kind of a little, and that's why I said I'm like, I'll be sad if I say the 90s and that's correct. Cause like, that's, that's my lifetime. I was born in the 90s. I don't know, Canada. Mm. I also find that Canada's slow with it. Like in general, like, because we try to be all like, we're multicultural, we accept everyone. It's, it's slow to actually recognizing people because they feel like well, we already do it. Why do we need to add more? And that's what I find with Canada. It's like, they'd rather not put in the work, but they'd like to, put on the facade of we are this, but the core of Canada is not that. No. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, because the core isn't that, they it's easy for them to not put in the work. Mm. But kind of like that layer. And then once you rip the layer, you're like, wait, <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not all together in this. <laughs> I feel like it's a lot of performing. I, I feel like Canada is the poster child for performing things. Um, yeah and having a facade as well. So in yeah. school, because I know Al, you were born here and then Natasha, you went to school here a little bit as well, yeah? Yeah, uh, my grade four, grade five in Canada till high school, yeah, was here. Did they oh, teach black history in school? No, no I took indigenous studies all through high school because I was like, I was telling you, um, because I didn't want to take any white history. So I literally don't know anything about Canadian history <laughs> at all. And I, I'm grateful, like in Saskatchewan, they did offer it in my high school. I know that was not something that they even offer now. Um, but for some reason, my high school had that. And some people took it as like an easy out, but then they actually recognized like, like oh, we don't know anything. And so it was nice. So someone advocated for that to be in the high school. And the person who had that program she was also like really good and really informed. Like we'd take like, we'd go to certain places to learn about the history, to learn about a cultural practice, to learn about like reservations and like things like that. Like it was, we actually practiced it. Like it wasn't a, we're sitting in class. Like we had field trips that we'd go to. We made our own teepees. Like there was things that were actually involved in it. And I find that unless someone advocates for it to be in a school, it doesn't happen because the teachers will just go on the curriculum that the province or the city provides. And so that's why I find with Black history, it's like, unless someone's advocating for it, which we should be, but we also need to recognize if we advocate, we need to give that person the tools to be able to do that in the schools, to provide that community for the person to be able to be like, okay, if I do this field trip, this person's available for me. You know, like it's actually a coming together of that. Much as we have to push for it, we also have to be pushing for the community to be fully involved because that's the only way it will work. You know, like it's one thing to just kind of lobby and then what? 
because like the school can say yes, but they're really looking for people to help do that. Yeah, people that will volunteer, the places where, you know, the kids will go to see uh, whatever it is that they're seeing. Um, are there any, I probably should have researched this, but I, there aren't any Black history museums or any like Black history things in Canada, is there? Yeah, I think there is. Um, I think it's out east. I would, I would, I would imagine it's out yeah. east. I can't remember. It might be Ottawa. I can't remember. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. No, when I was growing up, I should, when I was growing up, I went to like a small religious school. They did not teach that it like ish at all. Like it was no man, absolutely not. If we learned anything, it was like very curriculum driven and like basic, basic, basic. So Unfortunately, we didn't get that option, like Indigenous or Black. Like, it was very, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, okay, so there is one. I don't know if it's the one, but it's called the Amherstburg Freedom Museum, which was formerly known as the North American Black Historical Museum. Don't know why they changed it. Uh, hopefully, Amherstburg is a Black person. That would really be the only reason why you'd want to change it. It doesn't sound like it, but A, Colonization. You never know. Exactly. Probably donated money is why. We'll see. We'll research it. We'll tell you in post. (laughs) (laughs) Just edit it in there. Just be like, and we found out. (laughs) Bonus clip. (laughs) We should should have like Patreons and stuff like that as well. Be like, get on Patreon, find out the real tea or whatever. Oh man. Hello. <laughs> exactly. Okay, cool. So um who wants to go first with the shout outs? Or is there anything else you want to chat about? I wanted to chat about like one extra thing. I was really geared up to um do a lot of like more Black History Month stuff last year. And then like the COVID thing started to like simmer in February. And I was like, I'm not sure if I should be doing stuff. I'm not sure like how engaged in the public I should be like in the, like working in healthcare and public health I was like I'm just gonna minimize the amount of things but I'm really sad that like the one year I was like I'm gonna do like Black History Month in Vancouver it was like right on the cusp of COVID and I was like darn it darn it all so I'm excited to see what people do for the virtual avenues because I, I mean I think it's a really good opportunity to reach a lot more people yeah. As opposed to like the in-person um, events where there's like that limited seating or limited space um, and also provides people who like don't really want to be around people to like just like log in and like turn their like screen like their camera off and just be like I'm learning and I'm here yeah. but I don't have to engage with anybody so I'm excited. Yeah there's actually a list out there already but there are a few in-person like things going on like so yeah, we'll share it with people too. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool virtual thing that's happening as well. And I think we're going to post it, or at least we should share it on the, uh, on like Fridays for things to do and things to watch. Um, Chris, I always say, I always add letters to his last name. So I'm not going to say I what know. his last name is. I always say Munyasa, but I think it's Muncia or something like that. Um, he has a 
virtual option for his uh, exhibition that he has. And I went to go and have a look at it. It's still very much like in its early stages. So it's still very much like, um, you know, you press here and then you zoom into the picture and then on the side, you can see the cost of it. So you're buying it and it's less interactive and it's also not live. So maybe adding a live component to it would be an optional thing for people who want to feel like they're with other people while viewing the art. Um, but I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's a, it's a really good opportunity to be inventive and like yeah. think about how to reach more people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm part of a Black, you know, Naya, Naya Bingi. Uh, she's a Black curator in Vancouver, which is awesome. Um, and uh, she's done a lot of Black, 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 Black art guests, Black, wow. Is it Black Art Gastown or Black Gastown Art? One of the two. Um, and they've made a quilt of some of the artists that she asked uh, about what role does or, or, or do artists play in the movement, in the Black Lives Matter movement, just a general liberatory movement as well. And it got me thinking about who talks about liberation and what does liberation look like if it's just representation or if it's like no longer representation because then people feel like just being at home and donating is enough to do the work but like when you look at the movements back then people were in the streets on the ground you know what I mean like going to each other and hiding and building burrows and stuff like that like what is what what is the action that actually makes the change? Is it all of them? Is it one of them more than the other? Should we all be getting out and into the streets? Like what, what is that role? What do you folks think? Yeah, I think that, well, I actually ended up writing um, on Naya's thing. So I'm excited to see it. Yay! And I, yeah, I actually had conversations about this of like, what does that look like? Because it is true, like people were on the ground working and they, they were like putting themselves on the line and because they believed in it, right? Like they understood kind of the amount of work that was gonna go into it for a change to happen. And and I think because there are kind of, there was a togetherness and I'm not saying there isn't a togetherness now, it just looks different because now we have social media, we have all these things because like we also shouldn't take away from crowdfunding or crowd gathering, you know what I mean? That social media does do. But I think with them, it's there was that kind of like hard work and that grunt work of let me go out on the street and say blah, 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 because like, this is the truth. This is what needs to happen. I feel like the challenge right now is like everyone is kind of talking and it makes it harder sometimes to come all together versus back then it was like, there was like specific people who were like making that change and under that there were teams that were helping put in that work. Um, so it's a little different now. And I, I do think that we just have to figure out what it's going to look like to not make it that everyone has like a voice. <laughs> like there is a kind of like a collectiveness of this is the change we want. Like I know BLM has started that, I think, but there isn't a, mm, <laughs> let's do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So sometimes I feel like we're lacking that. Do you think it's because there's no like, um, I don't want to say spokespeople are like leaders of it, but like there's, there's it doesn't seem to be like there's anybody that's, in front of the movement in that way. But I guess like you're saying, it means that a lot of people get an opportunity to be that in their communities, right? And there's something to be said about that. I guess the coming together on a little bit of a higher level to be like, okay, well, we're all here, but then 
what's up here holding us accountable, but also being what people will know is the signal. You know, like Batman has that signal. There should be a signal for Black people to be like, come out now. Like, it's time to hide or whatever. I don't know. I just <laughs> came to my mind. <laughs> That's awesome. I want no, that it's- so much. <laughs> I really agree with what you're talking about, about that collective kind of work. Um, I feel as if they're like during our time too, we have so much awareness about so many social injustice issues that it's also like everybody's trying to do as much as they can for like all the different types of issues and events and like movements. And I think that also adds to like the lack of like, there's a collective, a feeling of collective because there's so many. And like, if you go on like social media and you just start scrolling, you're like, wow, the world, cool. We are living in the, in the golden age, aren't we? <laughs> and you're like, well, what do I do? Like, how do I like support? How do I, and sometimes it's, you know, for people who it's overwhelming, the best way for them to support is to like, go find me or like that kind of stuff. So I think there's that layer too, where like, there's actually so many great initiatives that are going on that it's, it is overwhelming for me at times to like, go like, which one do I choose? Like, if I choose one, do they think that I care about this more and this one less? And like, I'm not, I don't, like, I just need to focus on one thing. So yeah, I think yeah. that's that piece too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's what the issue is, is like, I do feel like back in the day, there was always kind of like that one issue, like there's still multiple, like, whether it be like poverty or like, you know what I mean, healthcare or voting, whatever, it still was a big issue. Whereas like mm-hmm. now you're talking about like, yeah, like each kind of city, each kind of province, each kind of place has its own issue or like, and then there's globally. So yeah, it becomes overwhelming because now we're more aware. Like, I don't feel like everyone was kind of aware of like different things that was happening in different places because it wasn't, it was only communicated by word of mouth or if someone wrote about it and then it was passed along. So it kind of took slower. So it's true. Like it does get overwhelming, but I mean, like, like I usually say, it's just like, all we can do is our part. And like you said, if it is just like donating, then cool. Cause that still supports it. If it is like being on the ground then that's awesome. If it is actually posting about it then talking about it, then that's great. Um, Cause we don't know if I decide to do whatever that part is, it affects kind of like that domino effect for the next person to be like, oh, did you know? And then that person tells that person and we don't know to what level it goes onto a macro level. So I just feel like we always just have to do our part in whatever that looks like and not to judge people for doing their part. Like, you know what I mean? Like you said, like there's so many causes we all believe in, but if it's not something that I can fully put everything into, don't judge me for not doing it or you know what I mean? Or talking about it or advocating for it. It doesn't mean that I'm not supporting it. So I think it's also like not putting people down in that situation because it's just going to look different for all of us, you know? So. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I won't say. <laughs> I agreed to this. I was like, hey. <laughs> I know. I'm always like, <laughs> wild, 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 wild. Um, cool. So we did our due diligence. Wow. Um, and we used our friend Google again. Um, and we actually found a super rad. Um, source and are they a newspaper or like a one is it a blog like so, what would they be categorized as i i guess it would be like um a media outlet 
Refinery29, mm -hmm. it's a media outlet uh, that is, I believe, very Canadian specific. So, well, they have two. So there's Refinery oh, oh. and there's Refinery Canada. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and so the refinery is global. Um, I think it's an American thing and then they made a Canadian one. And so really what they do, like, yeah, it is a, like a media outlet. They have like different blog posts they post and things like that. I think it's also bringing awareness to a lot of kind of black issues having, it's really a black media outlet um, and journalism, things like that, like posting things that are accurate, highlighting the different um, black issues, but also black women um, and um, women who identify as black women, like it's just, it's everyone. And that's why I kind of like it. It's like everyone's included in their media and I just really appreciate all the, the things that they post, so. Cool. Yeah. And why did we use Refinery26 Canada? 29, <laughs> get it right. Oh, 29, wow. I literally was like, I'm so cool. I know, you were like. <laughs> Whatever, don't even listen to me. Oh my God. We used this article because Kathleen Newman um, Bermang, she is a Black woman and she is stellar and I follow her on Instagram and if you don't follow her you should. She has written so many great articles in the past year around you know the movements that have been happening with Black justice and Black bodies and Black joy and you know this one she wrote uh, last year and then it was updated recently so shout out to Kathleen thanks so much for helping us it's always great to, like yeah so it's always great to when you're we're going into research to utilize black people who have done the work right and then shout them out so yeah 100 100 yeah who did y'all that's, that's what we want to highlight um yeah definitely true that was <laughs> Sorry, your internet lags, and I'm like, eh, eh, eh. I know. <laughs> Let me just not talk. <laughs> I'm done with it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I will go first with the Black Canadian woman that I want to highlight. So, Carrie Best. Carrie Best was a print media goddess. She founded the Clarion. It's the first Black-owned newspaper in Nova Scotia. Uh, and she really worked to create, you know, spaces for Black women in places where they were normally silenced or unheard or taken for granted. And she just wanted to give them a voice um, and a way to express their opinions. Um, she also started her own radio show. It was called The Quiet Corner. She started that in 1952 and it ran for 12 years and it really highlighted poetry and music by um, Black Canadians, which I think is really cool too. Uh, she she really paved the way for journalism for Black people in Canada. And, you know, she deserves a lot of um, the accolades for the accolades for, uh, for all the work that she did because it just went to show that like a Black a person and a woman in that time could still make so much, so many good impactful moves in a industry where it was like already hard being a woman in general, already hard being a black person. So shout out to Miss Best. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anyone else you want to shout out or should one of us go next? You can go next. We'll go in like a round circle. 
Okay, around. A round circle is a circle round. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Come for me. <laughs> we'll go in a round square. <laughs> it's the shapes for me. <laughs> I should award mine. <laughs> okay. Um, I'd love to highlight Kathleen Livingston. Um, Kathleen Livingston devoted her life to empowering and networking with Black women. Um, she was one of Canada's leading Black actresses in the 1940s and became a popular broadcaster, a humanitarian, and a community organizer. In the 1950s, she worked to ensure that Black students received scholarships scholarships, wow, and after moving to Toronto from London, uh, Ontario, she joined the Social Club of Black Middle Class Women. So, okay, Livingston, this G, okay, started this club um, called the Canadian Negro Women's Association, and it was essentially a space for, you know, Black women to come together and mingle, um, but because she was tired of sitting around and socializing, she's like, ah, we're not just going to talk. We're going to work. We're going to get this done. She quickly changed the club's names to um, the Canadian Negro Women's Association. And then they went to work and focused on educating Black youth and fighting for the well-being of visible minorities. She's even credited as coining that term visible minority. So really making a lot of headway. You know how much I love language. So I'm like, yes, coins it, coins it. Um, and she actually reminds me of you, Natasia, because of the work that she's done, starting Black Women Connect Vancouver, you know, kind of on similar aspects and trying to, you know, garner um, an opportunity for women and girls um, to be able to not only gain the representation, gain the understandings or transfer of knowledge, um, but to also see themselves being that and accomplishing that. So, pew, 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 Livingston, oh. K, Livingston, hey, hey. Accolades, accolades, accolades. <laughs> okay, let's try mine. Let's see, my internet has a little uh, the first person we're going to talk about is Jennifer Hodge Da Silva. So she shed a light on definitely a Canadian problem with the documentary Feeling a Struggle for Community about the tension between law enforcement and the predominantly African Canadian Jane and Finch neighborhood. Mm. This film featured raw and revealing interviews with police and members of the community. And 35 years later, the film is still being taught in schools, universities, and Black people are still suffering at the hands of the The revelations of Hodge Silva's work lives on in stories that she chooses to tell in her films. So thank you for highlighting mm -hmm. the work. That's so cool. I love it when like art shines that light and illuminates it and it helps to like bring people who were engaging in a specific medium to like be more aware of stuff that is like really in, like impacting other populations. And had that person not taken that jump to do it, those people may not have like known as early as like, okay, it, it could have, you know, but like that spurred on more movements and more art and more, you know, films and documentaries. I always like give so many props to people. I'm not a creative person either. So whenever someone's like creative, I'm just like, girl, get it, get it, girl. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna go next because a circle is round and I'm coming back to the beginning. 
<laughs> so the next woman I want to highlight, her name is Violet King, um, counselor Violet King, I should say, because she was the first black female to um, grad, like to graduate from law school in Canada and be called to the bar. So she, you know, started at the University of Alberta in 1948. Um, and she uh, was really popular um, and passionate about advocating for other students. And she actually became the VP of her student union, which is like super bomb.com to be like only black woman in law. And she's like, screw that. I'm going to add one more thing to my <laughs> list of accolades. Um, and then when she did, I know. And then when she did graduate, she was the first um, black female lawyer in Canada to be called to the bar, which is insane. Her work included, you know, championing for the rights of immigrants, vulnerable populations, and then workplace, workplace rights for women. Um, she's also like a boss ass bitty, I'm not gonna swear. Um, and she was uh, the first woman to be named a senior executive at the YMCA. So she was like, she was like, if I'm gonna jump into this pool or see, I'm gonna make huge ass waves. So let's go. <laughs> wild absolutely wild i'm going to shout out lucy thornton so i don't know al do you or even unitized do you know about the thorntons at all mm -mm. no no okay um so the thorntons are really like like they're trailblazers, but usually uh, the person who gets the shout out is the husband, um, who I'm not gonna shout out here, not not to be like all weird or anything, but it's Lucy's time. So I'm yep. not even gonna say his first name. Uh, Lucy was, uh, so they were both fleeing from slavery in Michigan via Kentucky and they were captured and imprisoned. Lucy was smuggled out of her jail cell by a woman from her church who swapped clothes with Lucy during a routine visit, allowing them, uh, allowing her to sneak out unnoticed. Okay, badass vibes right now, starting off. Um, and then the husband was also being held somewhere else, also managed to escape. And then they were, before they were returned to their masters in Kentucky. Um, oh no, the last name is the Blackburns. Wow, I was saying his name throughout this whole thing. Never mind. <laughs> Wow, today is not my day at all. Well, at least laughs for the folks who are watching. That's all I hope to do is make y'all laugh. This was all planned, all of it. Um, <laughs> so the Blackburn's imprisonment started at the Blackburn riots of 1831. And that was the first race riots ever in Detroit over pushback to state laws that allowed runaway slaves to be returned to their masters. Uh, these riots caused a major migration of Blacks to Canada, and according to the Toronto Star, Canada's refusal to allow the Blackburns to be taken back to the U.S. set the tone for cross-border relations on the issue of fugitive slaves for decades to come. They did plenty of other things um, after that, and Lucy actually is credited with um, taking care of the I think it was six houses that they owned by 1847. So she took care of all of the domestic work for those houses, along with like bookkeeping and stuff like that for all of the major companies that the husband is credited with. Or whenever they talk about the Blackburns, you usually think of 
what's his face uh, instead of Lucy. So Lucy, pew, 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 pew for you, my bra. Um, thanks for doing the work. And we know, obviously, you know, a lot of Black women are in the background supporting and helping and pushing folks to be the best that they can be. Um, so Lucy, this is for you. My life is for you. <laughs> great okay so last one i don't know how to say her name properly but it's maruth sarfield so maruth was a door opener and that's how maruth sarfield's friend rita Durvel described her to the globe and mail after her death in 2013 as a diplomat author and activist sarfield opened the door for so many black women to still be featured on this list she was born in Montreal, and in her 80 years of advocating to tell stories of Black Canadians, there are moments that prove why she is the woman you should know. I could go on about, or she can go on, we can go on about the autobiographical um, No Crystal Stare, or her epic response when the book was criticized as hopeful depiction of life, her, and the Black Montreal neighborhood. Being Black is a lot of fun, or it can be. You don't have to yell to write a, a good book. And Starfield is pushing for Black joy before it became a hashtag. Nice. So thank you. <laughs> so many like Black women in Canada, like that list, like we didn't touch it. Like it was like long, long, long. So I'm excited to go back and read more about these Black women who really pioneered, made it happen, held it down for a lot of initiatives and stuff in Canada. A hundred percent. Thank you, Kathleen. Okay, writing out there, editing out there, okay, throwing them gems out there. 22 of those gems that you can find on that article as well, so folks can get excited. Um, I'm totally stoked that I even found this article and that it's written by a Black woman. And just in Canada. It's just like stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks of stuff. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, all the cities in Vancouver in particular, and then the greater Vancouver area um, can actually take this seriously and like actually start, you know, putting aside um, some cultural funds in order to invest back into the black community in as much as we want to invest back into ourselves. I think there's a lot of work to be done internally and externally, um, but knowing that there's such a rich history and we're able to find people who are wanting to educate about it is always helpful. That's what I like to do with information too. It's like, take it, take it, let's share it because the more that we know, the more that we can you know, move forward together and pull each other up at the same time. Totally, absolutely. And then it helps with like this, phase of like unlearning and relearning and like really learning about history and really knowing the players that you know imparted so much impact and not just like one part of one part and one kind of possibly you know falsified part you, you never know you just never know so like I want to know the bigger picture the whole truthful picture of who was involved and why we got to where we did because of these important people so yeah, yeah. And then one thing I love is like, that's what we're really trying to do with like Black Women Connect is like to highlight the different women. And that's why we do the highlights and making sure that we're constantly like putting like Black women on because like, as we saw, we didn't even know because it's not taught to us. So it's like, unless we're like ourselves highlighting other Black women, they'll never be heard of. So I feel like this also is just inspiring to be like, we just need to continue highlighting the Black women doing the work, the Black women that are just starting their businesses, the Black women that are doing whatever, you know? As long as we're highlighting them, it's important. 
Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And there's, and there's Black women today making history, right? Like exactly. we saw even last year, just like boom, 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 a lot of historical things were happening. There was even that meme that said, uh, what did it say? Oh, I'm, I wish I wish I could, I think I saw it on your stories. I wish I could wake up and not have to like be living in the, in the, in this time of the, what, like making history every day because of all of the crazy things that were happening. Um, but then it's also great that, you know, there's still people able to make history every day in the right direction um, for everybody. So that's pretty radical. This was lots of fun to do the research and to see all these amazing resources that are out there. And also the amazing women as well. Uh, I'm interested in finding their pictures and just kind of seeing them as well, because I think there's something about like, you know, representation, knowing that they're out there and things are written about them, but also seeing them and, you know, just kind of being like, yeah, you, amazing. That's what, you know, that's what grace looks like. That's what hard work and dedication and just badassery looks like. Um, that's what I want my vision boards to be. It's just badass women. Period. 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 Oh, God. <laughs> Not on Mary Had a Little Laugh? Mary had a little laugh. Thinking where the money was at, where the money was at, where the money was at, where the money was at. Oh, honestly, people are awesome. We come up with the most amazingest things, most amazingest things ever. Ever. I love that. Awesome. So, uh, this has been a really sweet episode talking about Black History Month. What is um, what is one what is one thing you'd like to do for Black History Month, and not necessarily to honor other people, just yourself? Because I think as Black people, um, it's a good opportunity to think about celebrating ourselves. I know you know you want to celebrate and honor yourself on a daily basis with self care and all of this stuff, but you know maybe a good way to get folks to be reminded about that is to center it around Black History Month and like, how are you celebrating yourself this February? I think I would want to, I'm not, I used to be a good reader. I used to be good at being like, I'm gonna take a book and read. And I haven't done that in a long time. I think it's the pandemic and internet's always there. So I just wanna take the time to read stories written by Black people about the Black experience, about the Black Canadian experience. Mm. So I think that that's going to be my goal. I'll check back with you in a month and see if I, uh, if I accomplished it. <laughs> people will be in the comments. Have you read it? Have you read it? <laughs> I, I'm putting it out there so I can be held accountable. Help me. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Natasia? I want to be able to read more but also like if I'm going to do this collective I also need to make sure I know the history of women like we we're just doing now who have already done the work so I can learn from them but also make sure that I highlight them in the work that I do so in some way like honor myself by honoring them mm. what a noble thing indeed <laughs> thank you <laughs> Um, what is a way to honor myself? Oh, I don't know. I think to make, because I have like this vault of joy and I've got all these videos that I've seen on people's timelines and stuff like that is to 
make those but of me to like really record myself and you know write about myself when I'm happy and like make little jingles for myself and then create a vault of that you know kind of like showing myself that I can be happy that I can be epic that I am all of these things even on some days when I don't feel like it um, and so to see it from other people but also be able to be like that's me right there that can happen anytime I wanted to. Oh, okay. So um, I'm just going to throw it out there. Once you've like recorded your compilation of just Palesa just singing us down and like bringing us joy, we're not feeling it. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. I didn't know about that part. I don't, I don't know. Check in, check back in in six months. Check back in. <laughs> we'll put it in post. <laughs> oh, hilarious! Awesome. Is there any have parting words? Please. Parting words. This is what happens when you don't have sleep. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, parting words. I think it's a good episode. Parting words. Um, really, just. Take the time in the next month to learn about Black history and learn about yourself more. And I think that is the best thing you can do to be like create a, the best version of yourself. Ooh, that was deep. I just gave a word. Mm. Mm. You can't snap. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to be like, what is this? <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wow. 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 No sleep is wild. No sleep is, that's, that's, this is beyond no sleep. Uh, Palessa, what are your parting words? Um, I was just going to let folks know how they can connect with us. Uh, you can follow us on Black Women Connect Vancouver on Facebook and on Instagram. And LinkedIn. Um, and LinkedIn. Oh, look at us. In the business world, hey, hey, household, all four walls. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, podcast can be found on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, and all of your favorite streaming platforms. And feel free to leave us a review or a comment uh, on anything that you see. It always helps boost our reach so that other people can laugh at us and with us. <laughs> Tazia, parting words, closing words. I had something and then it just kind of slipped my mind, but parting words would be, yes, I think do your research, do your part, whatever that looks like. Don't feel overwhelmed this month to feel like you need to do everything and you need to find out all the information. It's a lifelong journey of learning. And like we saw in the, all the history and the stories that we just read, they put in the work, they looked up, they researched, they went to collectives, they created collectives, do whatever part that looks like for you. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. It's always amazing to get an opportunity to chat with these lovely ladies. So if you're looking to follow us off of the podcast and you're looking to catch up with some of the content that we have, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and on YouTube, all at Black Women Connect Vancouver. 
And we also have a website for you at blackwomenconnectvancouver.com, which is where you can sign up for our mailing list and our newsletter so you can keep updated with our growth and all of the other events that we have planned for you. Catch you later. Bye.